Let's, uh, let's stand together as we get into the message today, John chapter number 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. John 10 and verse number 11. We'll read several verses and then we'll open the service in prayer. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The the hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's pray this morning as we consider the shepherd and his sheep, the relationship that the shepherd has to his sheep. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless this preaching time. Help us, Lord. I thank you for all that you've done in these services so far. I thank you for the sacrifices that have been made this week by our church membership, Lord. I thank you for those who gave and sponsored a child or several children to go to camp. I thank you for this church who's made such an investment in this. And Lord, I pray that today, if there's somebody in this church who does not have assurance of salvation and know that you are their shepherd, may today be that day when they receive you as their Savior. And Lord, may we, who know you as our shepherd, be thankful and glory in all that you provide for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There are several statements that are made here in John chapter number 10 that are, you know, very fitting. They're very fitting for us to think about. Jesus didn't say that he was just a shepherd. He said that he was a good shepherd. You know, he is the good shepherd. That means he's a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He, he takes care of those that are put under his control. As a matter of fact, and, and, and if you go back and study shepherds and how shepherds were, in many cultures, a shepherd was no more than a hired servant. He was hired to take care of someone else's animals. You ever owned something and you paid somebody else to take care of something that you owned? You say, well, I don't know what that's like. There's some people here who no doubt own some rental properties. And if you own a rental property, you have to pay somebody to upkeep that property and make sure that it's properly maintained. I heard uh, one of our people this week, they had their air conditioning go out here in, uh, here in Texas. I want to say that. That is a sad thing. It is a sad thing when your air conditioner goes out in Texas. I mean, uh, it is oppressively hot in this place. Have you ever got out of your car in Texas and said, this is oppressive? <laughs> this morning, that's exactly right. We, we say that. You know, sometimes you hire somebody else to take care of your stuff. And a shepherd many times was a hired servant. But back in Bible times, a shepherd was somebody who owned a flock. And many times you would see that that family took care of its own. 
You see this in the life of David and his father. His father was a shepherd. He owned sheep. What they would do with those sheep is that they would, they would shear the sheep. They would take the wool from off the sheep and they would use that as a commodity. The sheep represented their livelihood. That means they looked up, out well to their going. You know, you care about something a whole lot more when you buy it. You know, sometimes parents, they, they do something for their children and they, they seem like they want to spoil them. You know, brother, brother Daniel was talking about Miss Danette spoiling his children this week. I talked to Nikki by phone. I said, you know, when I get back, we're going to feed you the bread of affliction and water. <laughs> and he got a kick out of that. He brought, he brought a loaf of bread to the phone and said, I already got it. He brought a loaf of bread and some water. He's like, Wait, I'll just start right now. And uh, I like that Nikki coming soon to a camp near you. Nikki Flores. I'm going to tell you something. He, he entertains me. Are you not entertained? Yes, I'm entertained by Nikki Flo. I'm entertained by some of these guys too. Some of these guys in the front row. But uh, one thing that you learn when you take teenagers out is sometimes they don't care for things the way you care for them because, hey, they didn't pay for that. And so we try to teach them principles of responsibility. When you pay for your own car, when you pay for your own house, you don't treat it as if it's nothing. You want to make sure that someone treats it with respect because, hey... I paid for that. And sometimes young people have no concept of that. In Bible times, either the dad was out taking care of the flock or he'd have one of his sons take care of the flock because nobody can take care of your possessions the way people that are in your family can take care of your possessions. But in that, we see how that the Lord, He looks out for His sheep. He took care of His sheep. In the Old Testament, in Bible times, that, that the, the owner of the flock, he, he knew His sheep. He knew them by name. He knew when they came into this earth. He, he was there when they were born. We know farmers back in Missouri, and they, they raise cows. You know, have you ever considered the cow? Cows are a wonderful creature. Oh, you're preaching now, brother. There, there are several areas of the cow that I'm probably going to be enjoying a little bit later on today. And I'm thankful for them. I mean, I am th- now, I don't eat the tongue and all that kind of stuff. I ain't eating their brains. I'm not eating the... I, I, I mean, my parents lied to me throughout my life and said that liver was juicy steak. If there's anything that's not juicy, it's liver. And I'm not going to eat the liver. But I'm going to tell you something. You give me a ribeye steak. As Brother Jeff starts talking about that Wagyu steak. There's nothing like a good Wagyu steak. Listen, I like that, you know, if you ever considered the cow, say, why are you preaching on the cow? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> you know, you consider how, how a dark creature, a dark cow, can eat green grass and produce white milk and yellow butter, such as my, my soul loves. You know, you, you take care of those cows. Well, back in Missouri, we'd have people that raised them cows, and they'd have a little herd of cows. They would reproduce them. They would, they would mate the cows, and then they would sell what came into their, their flock. They're, they made their living off of it. Sometimes they would make between forty dollars and $80,000 on the, the cows that they would raise. And when those cows were ready to give birth, they'd go out there to that barn, and they would tell stories about tying something around the legs of those cows to make sure that they birthed properly. And they wanted to make sure that that cow had a, had a good place to birth their calves. And they wanted to make sure there was enough hay in that barn and how the, the mother cow wouldn't be overwhelmed or burdened to had a place of peace to where she could have this, this calf. And sometimes there had to be people there who, who would assist in the birthing of that calf. 
You know why those, those cow owners were there? Because when they were bringing something else into this world, it meant something to them because that was their livelihood. They were there. And all I've got to say about that is, listen, we serve a, we serve a good shepherd. If you're saved today, it's because God reached down into your soul at some time in the past and He made everything ready in that barn where you came forth, brother or sister. If you got saved and you can go back to a day in your life when you said, I got saved by the grace of God, you, you, you had somebody convicting your heart and drawing you to salvation. That didn't just take place by accident. The Bible says that God loved us and that while we were yet sinner, He made ready the room. He allowed you to experience those things in life and showed you the error and the wickedness of your ways. And our, our shepherd, he made sure that the birthing room was ready for us. I'm thankful for a shepherd who knows. He knows us by name. He was there at the very beginning, just as the, these cow owners, they could tell you stories. They'd name their cows. I remember when that one came. And I remember when that one came. Oh, that was a tough delivery. I want to say something today, friend. Your shepherd knows everything about you. And some of you are here through many dangers, toils, and snares. And if it was up to the devil, you'd have been dead a long time ago. But God kept you alive so that you wouldn't go down to the pit. In Psalm chapter number 30, David said, the psalmist, he said, I will extol the Lord. He said he wanted to praise God because he kept him alive, that he wouldn't go down to the pit. If there's somebody in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to get saved. Get saved this very day. Don't put it off. You could turn the Lord away for your whole lifetime and never get saved. But if you ever do get saved down off in the future, I want to tell you something that's going to come across your heart. Thank you, Lord, for not allowing me to die when I was yet in my sins. It's only by God's mercy that God keeps people alive to hear the gospel again and again and again. You know, our God is long-suffering. You may not be where you're supposed to be spiritually today. And if you're lost, you're not where you need to be spiritually. You're here in John chapter 10. Could you turn your Bible back just a few pages to John chapter number 3? John chapter number 3. I want you to read verse number 36 with me. And I want you to try to read with understanding. Read about what the Bible is trying to get across to us. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 36... He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. I'm here to tell you today that my calling, my election is sure. I'm giving you my testimony. I am one that has believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. I have received Him as my Lord. I have received Him as my Savior. His righteousness and His holiness has been given to me. When, when God looks at me, He looks at me through Christ. The Bible says, And He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. God has made me righteous through my reception of Jesus Christ. When you believe on Christ, you get His righteousness. But there's another group of people here today, and you're still in the, in the, you're in the valley of decision. The Bible says multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never come to the Lord in faith and said, yes, I believe you died for me as a sinner. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. I believe on you. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Verse 36, if you're lost. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'm here to tell you today that for some of you, maybe today will be your day of salvation. It can be. 
If the Lord's working in your heart and you know that you are lost, when we come to this invitation time, we'll be inviting you to come forward. And we'll show you from a Bible how you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven when you die. And salvation is a simple act of faith. To some, they're going to put this off and they're going to say, maybe some other day. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, if you're one of those ones that God's going to save, I hope and pray that you'll get to that point in your life when you recognize there could have been plenty of times in my life when I could have went out into eternity and I would have gone to hell for all time and eternity, but Jesus kept me alive. The Good Shepherd kept me alive that I wouldn't go down to the pit. You know, Jesus knows a lot about His flock. He knows His people. He takes pleasure in His people. He owns the flock. This means that He's the caretaker. The Lord takes care of His people always. You know, we've known of people in the past who, who were pulling a, a several day shift as working as firemen. Aren't you thankful that the firemen don't take days off? And when you call 911 or you need some fireman to be there, there's somebody who's working that staff. You know, in the old days, those firemen would work 24 hours. And whenever that bell would ring, they would get up and they would go. That's just like our Jesus. Jesus is ready. And Jesus knows. Jesus prepares things for us. Jesus is there. He's a good caretaker. The Bible talks about Jesus being a provider in this passage of Scripture. Our Lord provides for us. Aren't you thankful for that? Our Lord's a leader. A shepherd would lead his flock to certain places. You know, if there, if there was a dry area, they would lead their sheep over to where the water was or where that green grass was. You know sometimes here in Texas when that, that heat beats down on that grass, you might get to that place where that, that grass is brown or it's even dirty or musty. It wouldn't be a good place to eat. So that shepherd would take his flock and he would look for those other pastures and he would take his sheep to green pastures and to still waters. They say that a sheep was so scared that even a, a, a brook that flowed too fast would scare the sheep off to where even if you had them by water, they wouldn't drink it because it was too, it was, it was too uh, turbid for them. But I want to say thank you to the Lord who brings us to that point where sometimes he even makes us to lay down in green pastures. I thank the Lord that He brings us to that point where He he has us to drink from the still waters. So He says in this passage of Scripture, He says, I am the good shepherd. There's only one real, uh, true good shepherd. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. All other shepherds fail. Not all of them could say that I'm good. I'm always good. But our Jesus is always good. Not only that, but we might be able to see from this passage of Scripture that our God, He knows everything that's going on. Our shepherd, he knows who we are. The Bible says in verse number 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. That means he knows you. You know, there's some times in my life that I'm I'm ashamed of myself. You ever made mistakes? You ever fallen into sin? You ever did something that brought shame to the name? Remember sometimes when I was a kid, I'd get in some trouble at school. If ever I got in trouble at school, I'd get in trouble at home. I had a father who had expectations of me. You know, when somebody reported to me that my, that, that, or reported to my dad that his son did wrong, you better rest assured. As a father, my dad got in my face and talked to me about, hey, and, and I've got some talking to do with some of our young people this week. I'm not going to talk to our young people because I hate them. I want to have face-to-face, I want to have FaceTime with my young people because I love them. 
Because, you know, the purpose of having a youth group is not just to take the kids and have a great time with, oh, we, we, we played volleyball, <laughs> we, we had a great time, we, we laughed. Listen, that's not the purpose of ministry. The purpose of ministry is to take somebody on, on the train tracks of the Lord Jesus Christ and move them from point A to point B. God help us if we keep our young people at the age of 12 and they're no different by the time they're 18. If you let the world lead your children, if you let the world get into people's lives, they're not going to be heading in the right direction. So we have some expectations for our young men. And we're going to talk to them about that. You know, this is what a, a shepherd does. This is what a, a good father does. But the Bible says this, that, that Christ knows his sheep. He knew you. There's some people in this room who were born in foreign countries. One of my parents was born in Kaiserslautern, Germany. Our family comes from a long way. I'm sure there's some other people here. God, God brought you across the miles. There's some people in here who, you're far away from where you were born. You're not even close to where you, you were brought up. I want to say this to you, friend. Jesus knows you. He knows you're down sitting and you're uprising. Jesus knows your thoughts. You know, one of the most convicting things to me about Christ and being the shepherd was that he knew every thought that ever passed through my mind. And I couldn't be dishonest with the Lord about that. There were some wicked and horrible things that went through this old mind of mine. You say, oh, you must be a real bad sinner. No worse than you. There's not a person in this world who's righteous. Well, not me. I've never had a dirty thought. That's almost like a, a, a man who, who's trying to say publicly, I've never had an argument with my wife. I'm going to tell you, you're suspect. That's suspect right there. I mean, there, you know, God knows everything about us. And the, the Lord has perfect knowledge. He knows our persons. He knows who we are. You know, something else that the Lord knows. And there may be somebody in here today, and you're thinking about Christ as a shepherd. I want to say this. The Lord knows your trials. He knows the burdens that you carry. There may be somebody here today, and you're carrying the burden that having a lost loved one, a lost family member, a lost son or daughter or or maybe you're having some terrible financial difficulty. You're going through issues where you just don't even know how you're going to make it through. Maybe you've got a sick loved one and you're going through some issues. I got a text and a call from Miss Shirley Piper today. Our dear brother Bill had a bad reaction to his chemotherapy and he, he was taken back to the hospital today. You pray for brother Bill. Miss Shirley and Brother Bill, they're just going through a myriad of health problems, just going through problems. There could be somebody here and I don't know what problems you're going through. But I can tell you what, there's one, I know the one who does. His name is Jesus. Jesus knows your trials. Jesus knows your troubles. I want to I encourage you like the songwriter said, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Some of you need a friend. You need somebody to come alongside of you. Jesus knows your trials. He knows what you're going through. He has perfect knowledge. You know, the Lord even knew our sins. He knew what separated us, us from the Lord. And I'm thankful to the Lord that He was willing to come to this earth. And that leads us to our last point. We'll try to close with this. A few times in this passage that we read today, the Lord made some statements about what He came to do. And in verse number 11, it talks to, the, to you about what kind of shepherd He was. You know, at my last church, or two churches ago, I was at a, a place where a man, his name was Brother Chuck, and he was a good friend of mine, still is a good friend of mine. I'll be... Seeing Chuck this week, before we move down here, I'll no doubt be putting my arms around his neck and saying, we'll see you sometime down the road. God's taken him to bless me. 
But you know what kind of man Chuck was? Chuck heard that a preacher needed a kidney. And he went down to the local hospital and he drew his blood and found out that he was a perfect match to that preacher. This preacher doesn't have his last name. But that preacher would have died if he didn't get a kidney. And Chuck said, I'm going to give my kidney to you so that you can live. And you know what? They, they messed Chuck up when they did that surgery. They didn't put him back together properly. Chuck has suffered through his days. And he still has some health concerns that he has from giving that. But you know what? Just a few weeks ago, one of the previous pastors of that church, I went to his funeral. You know who was preaching? The guy who he donated his kidney to. And Chuck wasn't in the funeral, so I said, hey, man. I took a picture of him. I said, there's a piece of you preaching over here today, man. That preacher wouldn't have been able to preach that funeral. He wouldn't have been able to serve the Lord had Brother Chuck not been able to give him his kidney. I want to say, say something. This, this, this preacher's name is Workman. There's not a day where he gets up where he wasn't thankful for the day of life that he was able to, to live because Chuck gave him a kidney. And I want to say this to us. There's, there's no day that we get up where we don't benefit from the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ said this in John chapter number 10, and this is in closing, and I mean it. The Bible says in verse 11, the good shepherd at the end of the verse, giveth his life for the sheep. The Bible says uh, in verse number 15 again, notice, as the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. If you go down again in verse number 17, the Bible says, therefore doth my Father love me. Because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. And then he made some explanatory statements in verse number 18. He said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. Make no mistake about it. There was a writer uh, just in our last generation. He used to be a, a commentator on Fox News. And he, he wrote a book on killing Jesus and was talking about who killed Jesus. Was it the Romans who killed Jesus? Was it the, was it, was it the Jews who killed Jesus? Was it the political folks of the day? Was it the Pontius Pilots of the day? I'm here to tell you, according to the authority of Scripture, Jesus laid his life down. Nobody took his life. Nobody had to hold his hands place. When he got down on that cross, brother, he put his hands out and said, here's my hands. Go ahead and put the nails through my hands. Nobody took the Lord's life. He laid it down. You know why he laid it down? It was for you. It was for the joy that was set before him. We, we may have some people here, we, we may have people here who were born in, in, in Asia. We may have people here that were born somewhere over in, in Europe. We may have people here who came from places like Germany and, and Australia or wherever it is that you came from. Jesus laid down his life for you. He didn't just do this for one race of people. Matter of fact, the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. By and large, the Jewish people have rejected Jesus Christ. You know, if you see ever, ever see a movie depiction of the Lord and you see people who are trying to stretch his hands out and he's kind of fighting their hands and he didn't want to put his hand down there. And I want to tell you something, they're not accurately depicting what happened. And by the way, you don't need those movies anyway. If you hear the preaching of the Word of God, God will paint a picture in your heart about what really happened. I want to tell you something, he laid down his life for us. And he did that for the joy that was set before him. Our Savior made a complete sacrifice. Later on in this very book, in John chapter 19, in verse number 30, he said these words, It is finished. 
You know when he said it is finished? What he said was the payment for your sins is complete. It was no more to pay. No more suffering. No more bloodshed. He came to do what he wanted to do. Now, now I'll take you back to Chuck. Chuck gave his kidney so that a friend could live. I want to say this. Jesus gave his life so that you could be saved. Now, Jesus won't force you to get saved. It's a choice. It's a choice to come to the Lord in faith and acknowledge that you are lost and that you are a sinner and apart from God and according to John chapter 3 that even presently, if you're lost, that the wrath of God abides upon you. But there's no shame in acknowledging, hey, I am a sinner. There's no shame in acknowledging that as far as by way of you being a human being. All men are sinners. It's actually no great feat to acknowledge that you were a sinner. Because any person who's rationally thinking can recognize that, hey, there's something wrong with me. I have committed sin. I have thought sinful things. I have participated in sinful things. Acknowledging that you're a sinner is one thing, but believing on the Lord Jesus Christ requires faith. The Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. He is God. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm going to here to tell you, you can't get saved without faith. You can't get saved without believing. It's one thing to recognize that you're a sinner. It's another thing to recognize that Christ is the only solution. Now some people are taught that other things are solutions when they're born. They're taught that a solution to your sin and your lifestyle is baptism. I'm here to tell you something. You could have been baptized. There may be somebody here who was baptized as a child, as an infant. And I'm here to tell you, that baptism has no power to save you. Baptism was never meant to save you of your sins. Baptism was always meant to picture of what already took place in your heart. God's concerned with your heart, not your religion. I'll say that again. God's concerned with your heart, not your religion. You might remember in John chapter 9, in the chapter before this, they booted that blind man who was now seeing out of the synagogue. He couldn't even go to the place of worship. But he worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. He was right with God. I'm here to tell you today, friend, Jesus knows who you are, and he made a complete sacrifice to you. If you're lost, won't you come to Christ in faith and just get saved? Let me, can, can I ask you, if you're not saved, why aren't you saved? You say, well, if I get saved, then this, and I get saved, then that. I want to say this. If you're a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl, you don't want to die without Christ. You don't want to die without your sins having been forgiven. The Bible talks about it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. You realize that God sent His Son to die for you, and if you leave His blood at the foot of the cross, you don't believe on Jesus Christ, and you leave it. You're going to suffer at the judgment. He's going to say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. But you don't have to. Jesus paid it all. I remember as I was getting saved those many years ago, I sat in the pew and I said, Why am I sitting here lost? Jesus paid it all. And I, I'm so thankful today that the Lord became my shepherd. Can I tell you today, the Lord's a good shepherd. You don't have to worry about what, how, how's He going to lead me. You know, the preacher this week was preaching to our kids and he brought a couple people on the stage and he, he was talking about the, the will of God. <laughs> and this guy thinks, he said, well, if I do the will of God, 
God's going to have me marry somebody that doesn't please me. <laughs> God's going to have me go to some place and, and I'm not going to ever be happy or fulfilled. But he was using those, those passages in the Bible where it says, Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Blessed are the people that are in this case. Listen, the will of God and happiness work in conjunction with one another. Don't believe that God doesn't want to please you. God does want to bring things to your life to bless you. And make no mistake about it, He knows better how to bless you than you know how to bless yourself. He knows the future. Are you saved today? If you're not, won't you make today your day of salvation? Say, I'm coming to the Lord today. I'm not going to put this off one more moment. The Lord's paid it all. He said He laid down His life for His sheep. I pray with all my heart that there's somebody here and you're lost and you've considered these things. Maybe you'll answer that question in your own mind. Why are you still lost? You have to respond. You have to take Christ for yourself. And there could be other people here today. You're a Christian. You're a believer. And you're not walking in the way that the Lord would have you to walk. You've departed from that way of the Good Shepherd. Listen, the Good Shepherd is a long-suffering shepherd. He'll bring you back home to himself. You know, there have been songs written for many years about coming home, about wandering far from God, now I'm coming home. You know, we don't have a shepherd who sees a a wounded sheep coming home and says, no, you you don't belong here. You just messed up so bad, we're not even going to take you back into the fold. That's not the Christ I serve. My, My Christ is a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He'll take you from whatever area you're coming from. There could be yet others. You're one of the sheep of the Lord and you're bearing heavy burdens and you need to lay some of those down to the Lord today. However the Lord has spoken to your heart, we pray that you'll respond. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe God has spoken into your heart some way. And there could be somebody here today that says, you know, Pastor, I, I have contemplated salvation for months or days. You, you might have just walked into church today and You hadn't even been considering these things and God spoke to you. He said, hey, talking to you. You know know what causes God to knock on your heart's door? His love. You know know what causes God to say, hey, sir, ma'am, listen, speaking to you, it's because God still loves you no matter what you've done, where you've been. God still draws Today might be your day of salvation. Don't put it off. If you need to get saved, you need to come. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask Brother John to sing the first verse of Have Thine Own Way. As he sings, if you've got something to deal with God at the altar about, won't you come just now? Won't you come? Pastor, God spoke to my heart today. need to be saved won't you come what will people think of me don't worry about what other people think and trust me there are people in this building praying for you right now
God spoke to your heart and you need to get saved, you need to make today your day of salvation. Trust the Lord before it's too late. There's always time. sing one other verse if no one else comes I want to say that this that at the Metropolitan Baptist Church we always have time for people to come and get saved there's nobody worried about getting dinner hey we're late for dinner I'll be late to all the dinners for the rest of my life if I get to see people come forward and trust the Lord it's worth it to serve the Lord I want to say today, friend, that if you're lost here today, you don't know Christ, you're missing out. It's a blessing to receive Jesus Christ. And He'll he'll shepherd you. He's a good shepherd. He'll lead you to good places. But if you keep trusting yourself and trust the devil, He'll lead you to the places where He'll say, isn't it good? Isn't this food good? And He's feeding you rotten crumbs fell from His table. You come to the good shepherd, He'll take you to places. He'll feed you steak and potatoes. He'll he'll put handfuls of blessings down as you walk through life's way. He'll give you things you don't deserve. He'll bless you in ways that only God can bless you. We're going to sing one more verse. God spoke to your heart. You come. Thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. God's people said. Does anybody have anything they want to share with the church? If you have anything to share with the church, we're looking. Anybody? We'll give it time. One thing I believe is if God does something in someone's heart, it's up to you to share that with someone else. I'm not going to do that for you. That means if you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you, you know, one thing that happens if you truly get saved is you, you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell. And if God did something in your heart, when you obey the Lord and say, yes, sir, that, that, that happened to me, I, something happened to me, God uses your testimony and it affects other people. And uh, God did something in your heart today. You want to share anything. God did something for you. You want to share that with the church. Just lift your hand real quick. Let me know what's going on. Anybody? All right. Isn't it a blessing to be in God's house? Thank you for for coming today. And I appreciate you being so attentive during these services. And uh, please pray for us. My wife and I are are going to be heading back to uh, Cincinnati today. We're leaving after the morning service. This is our moving week. We've got to get moving. 
And uh, we're coming down here this week. We'll be here uh, probably Friday. Our, our caravan of cars and moving trucks leaves on Thursday. And uh, in my absence tonight, Brother Bruce Martin is going to be delivering our sermon. And if you have the ability to come back tonight at 6 p.m., that'd be a real blessing if you'd be able to come back and hear a message from God's Word. Uh, please do that. Pray for our family as uh, we have a lot of traveling. Uh, we need traveling mercies. And I shared this morning with our Sunday school class and with our men's prayer group that meets at 9 o'clock. The, the most prayers that I need is for my family. That God will give grace to all of us in our hearts as we come to this new place. That He'll allow us to start this new chapter for Him. And uh, we don't know what blessings or what difficulties or challenges await us. But I know this. I know who holds tomorrow. And uh, pray for our family. God hears the prayers of His people. For those that prayed all week for our campers. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for your concern for the messages that you sent to us. And uh, God hears the prayers of His people. I just want to say thank you for those that are so faithful to pray. Anything need to be said or added to the service? All right, if not, Brother Earl Kavanaugh, if you would please dismiss the service in prayer, please.